0: Tuesday afternoon. Welcome into the Illini Enquirer podcast. We're streaming live on our YouTube channel, so appreciate all you guys joining us live. And Michael Tulip, we scheduled this to talk about Illinois' offseason, maybe look back on the season that was. And Jaden Epps has decided to give us some news to react to. Uh, Not that it's Shocking, uh, given the way the season ended, given some buzz that had been building, but we will talk about that. We will talk about the off-season approach here, uh, and we will monitor what is happening, and we will double-check to make sure we are not duped <laughs> yet again on the show. Michael of welcome in, man. We got a lot to talk about today.
1: Yeah, we sure do. I just saw that three guys, including A.J. Store, have left St. John's. Um, I don't know, man. I... I follow this thing way too closely for a guy that's really not, or I guess is loosely involved in it. With, uh, but when I say loosely involved, I'm talking about you and I talking about it. So yeah. that's why this time is uh, one of the best of the year.
0: So, so, Mike, give me your thoughts as a former player. Um, because my opinion is, listen, I don't love that a guy leaves after a year, right, that you invested time into and you developed. But in my mind, I think that should be his right that that he should be able to leave and be eligible right away because coaches are able to do this but i understand fans that don't enjoy this right that they don't enjoy this but at the same time you also can get players right and, and i think a lot of people even if they don't like it they enjoy following this like you know a lot of people are, are watching on this stream right now a lot of people are paying attention so what do you make of it like what do you make of all of this
1: well, I think as as fans, you get attached first to the recruiting class, right? And then you make your way through. And then that's how you end up falling in love with a Trent Frazier, right? With a Demonte Williams, guys that have been with the program. And what makes it so special at the end when you win a Big Ten championship is knowing what those guys came into and what they endured and losing games and how they turned that around. And that's that's really what it's all about. And that's changed. Yeah. It just has. And I think the NCAA has done a good job recently, you know, flipping some rules around to where it makes it a little less palatable for these guys to, to bolt uh, if they've already transferred once. So that changes the whole dynamic of how you go out and recruit and who you prioritize. And, um, you know, but it's just the day and age that we're living in and you, you hit it, you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, as much as guys leave and there's attrition, you can, reload pretty quickly we've seen that for a lot of teams uh, not only just in the Big Ten but in the NCAA tournament as well
0: you know through most of the season Mike I thought Jade Nepps was a guy Illinois could build around right and and it's it's hard to think about that if a guy already hasn't transferred yet but you saw things as a league guard he could do that Illinois needed Uh, and, and I think he can be a really really good college basketball player I there's certain ones I get Right? Like Andre Corbello needed to go somewhere else and didn't work out for him this year at St. John's, obviously. Brandon Pajemski, I get. They over-recruited him, and he wanted to go someplace where he was going to start right away, and Illinois could not guarantee that. And it's worked really well for him. The Adam Miller one I struggled with. The Jaden Nepps one I struggled with. Um, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm wondering what, what your reaction is to a guy who was kind of handed the keys, you know, midway through the season to be the league guard.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't entirely surprised, um, I think we all kind of reading the tea leaves over the last few days could, could see that this thing was potentially happening, but, but also during the season um, towards the end, he, he struggled. And I know some of the counting stats show that he was in double figures, but 24% from three in, in big 10 play. And you take out the Minnesota game at home, it's 20%. It's 13 for 63. And that's hard because he's not a natural born facilitator. Um, he's a scoring guard, and look, I, I also think too. Look, Jay Nets is a great player, and Jay Nets wherever he ends up, he's going to help whatever school, whatever school he goes to. Um, but I do think that because I was there live, like this isn't anything that I like heard behind the scenes. I was there and I saw it. The Northwestern game, in my opinion, was changed things, and you know his body language didn't get off the bench when the guys were in the huddle. I mean, there was all that stuff. And and typically those are things that you can point to when things start to unravel. You mix in the injury, his role kind of decreased towards the end of the year. And that's all a recipe for a guy typically moving on. And and, and
0: there were people around him tweeting about oh, yeah. Underwood coaching him. So like, yeah, and, yeah. So it was pretty, not that this is a huge shock, but for me right. it was like, man, a guy who's handed the keys, but yeah, go on. like,
1: no, but I, I just think that – and this isn't just a Jay Nepps thing. This is a college basketball thing. I think there are a lot of freshmen – and whether or not this applies to Jay Nepps, I don't know. But there's a lot of freshmen out there that mistake natural peaks and valleys for their situation. And if you go back and look at most college basketball players, 95% of them uh, take out the one-and-dones, the guys that had – super super successful steady freshman seasons 95 percent of them went through some sort of peak and valley um and whenever those valleys happen you have to be able to take a step back and assess and be like okay is this just natural which it usually is or is it my situation and oftentimes guys in college basketball because they have the option to transfer they're like it's my situation see you so that's changed things and like I said, he's a tremendous player. He's going to have success where he goes to next. Uh, but the reality is too, this is good. This is a position, the guard spot that is going to be in the top of the list for, for Illinois. And whether or not he transferred now, or when they loaded this roster up by the end of April or early May, um, who knows? And you could see more attrition come from that. We saw it with, with pods last year where he kind of held off, held off. And then, I think once Sky came on, and, and yeah. maybe they added a few other guys, he was out. So you never know. But you have to keep recruiting. And back to your original point, when we were talking about this day and age, I mean loyalty goes both ways. But also, like you can't handcuff yourself as a staff and say, you know what, we want to do right by this guy, and he's a, he's our freshman. We brought him in. We want to build around him. So we're gonna we're gonna skip on these poor these guards in the portal that have proved it and that are older um to build around this young guy and then they leave next year right so you you can't do that it's not it's malpractice at this point to have loyalty to your to your roster you can't do it you build the best roster and you try to win and then you rinse and repeat the next year
0: yeah i was gonna say mike like i agree with players being able to move the freedom of movement here but the flip side of that for them is they're going to get over-recruited immediately in the transfer pool. Like, that's, yeah. that's what you have to deal with now. So you better be right when you transfer the first time. And I will be interested to see how lenient the NCAA is because they say they are going to enforce the second transfer you have to sit out. Will they actually do that? Um I think that's going to be interesting to see moving forward. I want to get to Dane Danger returning here in a second, Mike, but I think if I put myself into, like, theoretical meeting with Jaden Epps, I, I'm sure they didn't promise him we're not going to go get a guard. They needed another guard. They they need another lead guard who can score, who can distribute. I know Dre Gibbs-Lahorn's coming in. Nico Moretti is there, but those guys are really young. That's got to be like your third and fourth option right there. So they have to go get another lead guard, but they certainly have, like, I am not concerned, Mike, about them getting talent. Like, Brad Underwood has proven it. They have a great sell. They have plenty of playing time now at lead guard. They've had success developing these guys. And they have an NIL war chest, right? Like they, they've proven that. So um, now they go in the portal and, and find a guy. What's, what's your ideal kind of guy. You don't have to name names or um, obviously there's guys in the portal already too.
1: Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think look at what Brad Underwood's prioritized over the years. He typically gets it. And uh, last year it was the wings. It was, let's get more size. And you had Taryn Shannon, you had Matthew Meyer, arguably two of the best guys in the portal. And, now you, you really have to turn your focus to, to point guard play. I mean, you, you really have to hone in on that. You have to hone in on shooting, and, it, and it's really that simple. Get guys that can set the table. Get guys that can handle it. Get guys that can get you into offense. And get guys that can make shots. I mean, I look at the Sweet 16 this year. Um, I am not opposed whatsoever, because this is something that Illinois hasn't tapped into yet uh, in the portal. And it's going and getting a proven ball-in-his-hands fill it up mid-major guard like it, it, how many how many teams do i need to name from the sweet 16 that had that i mean alabama mark sears 19 a game 40 from three at ohio um creighton baylor shireman 16 a game 47 from three at south dakota state uh tennessee tyree key or Tyrese key uh, 17 a game at indiana state uh kansas state like watching marquise noel <laughs> yeah little rock transfer from little rock uh tyson walker michigan state um, you know Xavier solely boom 20 a game at UTEP right like these are guys I mean Serge Jabari Rice isn't one of the lead guards for Texas but he's as important as any guy in that team with the way he defends and the way he can shoot the ball and then you have you know Tristan Newton from UConn starting for UConn a, a team that I think is going to win the national championship transfer from East Carolina had the ball in his hands 18 a game 17 a game and then Gonzaga gets Myokai Smith from Chattanooga and there's a certain type of and this is the best way I can put it. Typically, mid-major to high-major, the top two things on guys' list, NIL maybe throws a wrinkle into that, but it's either I want to go test myself or I want to go challenge myself at the next level. There's like no bad feelings with their school, their mid-major. It's just, hey, and typically the mid-major schools, as much as it sucks, you're like, hey, I kind of get it. Yeah. And then you move on and you go and you test yourself and you challenge yourself. High-major to high-major typically somebody is leaving for a certain reason and they're trying to get that at a new school and what you have to understand in the portal is if you're getting another high major guard what why were they leaving and what are they looking for and can you offer that because if you can't it's not a good fit and that's that's very very important it's why i it's proven in the sweet 16 go get a guy that's had the ball in his hands at the mid-major level had success can score it and then fill your roster in accordingly. Go get another high major guard, but now you have two off ball guards or guys that can be on the ball. Mix and match because it's it's proven that it's worked.
0: Mike, some fans have thrown this at me. I've seen it in the chat. Um, you know, since I O and, and Trent, they've kind of had these guards under the portal early in their careers. Do you, do you see any trend there, or is it just that's what happened?
1: If you're paying attention to only Illinois, you may think it's an Illinois trend. That's I mean, that's yeah, that's happening everywhere, man.
0: I agree with you. All right. Dane danger announces he's returning. He was a guy that, you know, we had questions about late in the season. The, the body language wasn't great, Mike. Um, But he would have been a second year guy. Maybe he doesn't want to take that risk. And he had, I think you put it in totality, a good year, a better year than most of us would have thought became a starter in, you know, in the second half of the
1: year. Um, so what do you think of Dane danger returning? What that means for this team? I think it's good for him. I think it's good for the team. Um, now I'm not going to get into whether or not he could transfer or not. Because uh, I think the way I understand it, if you do leave, you have to leave first and then apply for a waiver. It's not, hey, let me apply for a waiver. Cool, I got it. Now let me just go everywhere. You have to leave and transfer and then retroactively apply and try to not have yourself sit out. There's a huge risk in that. So we'll see how that plays out over the years. But for Dane, you, yeah, in totality, it's, it's a good season. I think he... he he came out with a bang and I think that kind of moved the expectations for him where before the season I think even on the preseason pot I'm like hey if he can be a serviceable backup big great like that was almost the ceiling not being a guy that's a starter that um you know in some games was was your best player at times yeah and you, you and I were
0: setting player. the expectation of can he be what Georgie was his final year
1: yeah, yeah. no for sure and and look I think for him Great season, but but can he make a jump, right? Because he has a lot to improve on, and that's not atypical of a young guy. I think first things first: can you can you do what Kofi did from sophomore to junior year? And I'm not talking about being Kofi Coburn. I'm saying he went from 55 percent to 65 percent from the free throw line, because that's going to make you a much more valuable offensive player, and it's going to keep you on the floor a little bit more, um, because the offensive efficiency stuff it it's anchored because you're a guy that when you get fouled you're maybe one for two or you're missing both free throws and and that can almost be as good as a turnover at times so we'll see how they how they mix that in but I think he's another guy that if you go out and address what you need to address in the portal and get some strong guards get some guys that can be great in ball screen situations and uh, that's going to help Dane a lot I I still don't think Dane's a guy where you're like we're going to throw it into you 30 times I think he's nimble enough and can move around where you can set high ball screens and roll them but Um, You need to have the right personnel around him for him to kind of tap out and hit his ceiling. But the last thing I'll mention, too, is defensively. I mean, usually you have a freshman or a guy that's young like Dane kind of steadily increase throughout the season. He did the opposite. I mean, earlier in the season, he was just a maestro in drop coverage. Um, Great, just great timing, great hands. And then when he ran into the Dickinson, Edie, Trace Jackson, Davis – it stole a little bit of his defensive confidence, and he started to lose trust on that end and started completely abandoning in the drop coverage, and it really hurt his defense. So those are the things that I think he can improve on, but all in all, um, definitely a positive that he's coming back.
0: Yeah, we've got to see the pieces that come around him, and we'll figure that out over, over the yeah. next couple months here, Mike. But um, when you have Dane, you have to play a certain way. Is that a hindrance at all to Illinois? or Because he can be real, we've seen flashes of him being really good at both the things, offense and defense.
1: Yeah, I think you do have to play a certain way, but not in a certain way to the degree of, like, a Kofi. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Dane can be a guy that, you know, in high ball a lot of high ball screen situations, uh, if you can get the right point guards and get the right shooting around, then you, you make it even harder for a guy like him when he rolls and rolls hard to the rim, ducks in his guy, seals his guy. Now you got these helpers that have to make a decision because they're coming off of shooters, ideally. Yeah. Um, That's only going to open things up for him. That's only going to open up things for guys in the perimeter. I mean, a lot of the reason why guys shot so well with Kofi is because of the attention that he drew. So he's going to continue to draw that attention the better that he gets. Um, So, yeah, as as much as you do have to play a certain way, um, I think Dane's a little bit more nimble than than Kofi was. And um, like I said, he's not Nikola Jokic, but uh, he has a little bit more ball skills and uh, you can put him in different spots.
2: Selling a little or a lot?
0: All right, Mike, I want to get a little big picture here with you um, because we'll figure out more about this roster in the next couple of days and yeah. weeks. But Joey Wagner talked with Brad Underwood yesterday. And it was great stuff for people who haven't read it. <clears throat> and Brad said, maybe we have to tweak some things about how we go about building a roster. So I, I want to ask you, like, what, what do you think the best way to building a team right now is because, you know, some of these preps were, I mean, Sky Clark and Jaden Epps, you felt good about adding both those guys feel like, Hey, at least one of these guys will be the answer long-term a year later. We're talking about, they have to totally rebuild the point guard uh, and lead guard situation. So just how do you think is the best way to approach building
1: a roster in college basketball right now? It's changed drastically. And ironically, guys like Jaden Epps are the new prep. That's the new prep. Because as college basketball gets older, you, you know, now what? whatever youth you have, you want it to be not only experienced youth, but locked in youth. Meaning they've already transferred once. They can't do it again. Or at least it's a major risk for them to do it again. That is the new prep. Like that is, if you're going to have youth, that's the youth that you have. Dane Danger and,
0: being one, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Dane Danger, uh, that's, that's a perfect case where he's he's kind of locked in and you already have this proof of concept um you know a jay Epps that has gone somewhere and played big minutes and was in big time games and um you have that proof of concept but uh contrastingly the days of relying on an incoming freshman class gone way too risky it's just way too risky so in in order it's young transfer grad transfer prep when maybe before it was prep grad transfer, young transfer. It's, it's almost completely flipped to where I think, you know, you want to go out and find guys that have had success, obviously. Um, but you still have longevity with them when they do come into your program. So it's changed a ton, but, uh, I think the Illinois staff has proven that, you know, they can, they can at least adapt or at least they've admitted that they want to adapt.
0: Yeah. When we're talking about the guard, Mike, um, because that, that's gotta be a foundational piece, right? You want to lock that in. You hope for a couple of years, It's got to be a multi-year guy, right? Like, I I want multi-year guys. Like, if I can get a great one for a year, like, if Terrence Shannon ends up being a year, you know, Matthew Meyer, I know people will have their druthers about him, but, like, he worked out for for a year. Um, But, man, multi-year guys, like, on the transfer market have to be gold right now.
1: Complete. Yeah, absolutely. That's the number one priority. I think for every, you know, that and competition ramps up because everybody's going to be going after – those types of players. And I think grad transfers now are more guys that you can piece in and, and work around the fringes um, depending on what they want out of it. Um, You know, they went that route with Meyer and Shannon depending on what Shannon does. We'll see if he decides to come back or uh, if he decides to go, but absolutely. I think having those guys and the, the the rule change makes that makes it even more so where you don't have to one, worry about him leaving again, uh, but two i think for a lot of coaches out there they don't have to walk on eggshells as much i mean i truly think it's changed the psyche of a lot of coaches where you are more mindful of what you say in the media you're more mindful of what you say in practice because guys can just leave yeah like you 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 can't and you and you really you have to coach the way that you coach
0: yeah let's not beat around the like especially brad underwood the way yeah. he coached, he's a hard coach. And like you would figure a Jaden apps or other guys would know that, but experiencing it as something else. And when you can just drop and say, I don't want to deal with this. I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, yeah. Does Underwood change or does he just change the kind of player
1: he brings in? I think he changes both. Right. Cause this year, more than any year, um, he was a very positive guy. And I think that was strategic. Mm-hmm. Um, because you just never know nowadays, but, but for sure, bringing in guys that, I mean, look at Andres Feliz, uh, just a guy that it didn't matter how hard you coached him. He was just going to do the same thing every day. Disciplined. Um, Ty, yeah, Rogers. One of those,
0: say that again. Ty Rogers, guy Rogers,
1: like it doesn't matter. Like those are the type of guys. And, um, but also, and forgive me if I go off on a bit of a tangent here, because from the roster roster building standpoint, um, I wanted to make sure to hit on this because after last year, what was all the talk after the Houston game? We want to be like that. Positionless basketball, size, length, you know, and, and but March has proven once again, once again, that if you don't have dependable guard play and you don't have consistent shooting, it doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. So go back to go back to that go back to that Houston game right and you're trying to assess it the best way you can and all of us including myself like oh man the length the size like it was guard play that beat you in the Houston game Kyler Edwards Taze Moore and Jamal Shedd 27 of their 31st half points and 54 of their 68 for the game that's what beat you it was and it was right there for all of us and, and your guards didn't play well and your guards didn't play well. And it was it was right there for all of us. And and we all got sucked into like, oh, like size and positionless. But it was right there. Because let, let me let me walk you through this, okay? Tie game, 40-40, second half against Houston. Not to rehash old times. But Jamal Shed, 6-0 run. High ball screen, come off, pull up. High ball screen, come off, pull up. 46-40, RJ Melendez dunk, 46-42. Shed, free throw off the technical, 47-42. Now it's 49-45. Okay. Kyler Edwards 3, 5245. Get a stop. Jamal Shedd, pull up again, 5445. Alfonso Plummer, four point play. 5449, Jamal Shedd, pull up again, 5649 game. Guard play. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what sunk you. And and now I, I get it's not like they neglected that. They just went after it the wrong way.
0: And you think of the Big 10, Mike? Who had the best group of guards? It was Michigan State.
1: 100%.
0: (laughs) They were in the Sweet 16. 100%. So, like, Purdue didn't have the guards, right? They had the freshman guard just like Illinois.
1: And think about, you know, the way that Michigan State, you know, the one Big Ten team that made it to the Sweet 16, the way that they're constructed is the way that a lot of these Sweet 16 teams are are constructed. They got great guard play. They have shooting. And their big is just a big that wants to set screens and run to the rim and block shots. And that's it. And the reason why that's so important is because what are the two things that Michigan State runs the most? High ball screen and floppy action. Can you run high ball screen and floppy action if you don't have a good point guard and good shooters? No. But if you do have it, those are the things that you can run. And what happens is your offense, one, becomes less predictable, but there's so much more inventiveness because you have a point guard that can come in and you can scheme for it. Hey, we're going to guard him or coverage this way, but it's a point guard that's dissecting it all and processing it on possession after possession. And think about this, all right? That, that makeup of that team, okay? You come up and set a high ball screen for Tyson Walker, okay? Now his job is to read this drop defender or, or ball screen defender, read the help men, and now you have Manny Sissoko running to the rim. And the reason why that is difficult, because not only is he a lob threat, you have guys that are tagging in off of shooters. So it makes that part of it difficult. And when you have that makeup, you don't have to call anything. You just run a literally a high ball screen, and then these guys can go and dissect it because of the personnel that they have. And what that's going to allow Brad Underwood to do is less hand-holding. He had to hold hands this year because they didn't have a freaking point guard.
0: Didn't have Trent Frazier, didn't have I, would assume, we did not have Andre's voice.
1: And he had to call a play every time. Stack, spread, like they had to do it. They had to do it to make it out of big Ten play. they had to have just a crazy amount of structure offensively, but you have so much predictability that goes with that. Now if you go and address these needs in the portal and you get these guys that we're talking about and you and you have personnel like that, you can lay off the reins as a coach and you can just go yeah. and you can because then your point guard is really the guy the extension of you on the court, and you don't even have to call stuff from time to time
0: you kind of answered my question, which was going to be, how does Underwood, what does he take away from this season about roster building? What kind of offensive adjustments? I think it's as simple as get better guards, get better shooters.
1: Yeah. And I've had plenty of people ask me, they're like, Hey, so like what really went on? Like, do you know anything? Like what, what happened this season? Like did this happen in the locker? And like we search endlessly for some sort of answer that is beyond the simple one. You didn't have the adequate point guard play and you had inconsistent shooting and it severely, severely capped your potential. Done. That's it. Now you move on and you go and figure that out. And you go and address that. And so, look, I, I think it, it it's not that complicated. Um, but we always look for... There's, yeah. there's always the story, right? We always want to look for a story. We always want to look for answers. Um, I think... For sure this year and you can hear it in some of the stuff that brad underwood's talking about he knows he for sure knows i mean it would be frustrating if he was like hey you know i think we just we're good on guards um <laughs> we'll figure it out you know we'll go just, and get some front court depth and uh you know maybe get some more wings i think you'd be like pulling your hair out but yeah. he knows
0: yeah. all right so lead guard mid-major guard that's that's michael Tulips number one on the list what's number two on your, your off season transfer
1: portal list. Find a guy that can shoot the ball into the basket <laughs> or a couple of them.
0: I'd say couple and and of
1: there's them. And a, like a couple guys have come available today. Um, you know, a, a guy from Charlotte just popped up today. He's all conference USA and 13 a game. Got 38 from three 47 from the field. Um, really good shooter. And those are kind of the type of guys. And, and that's kind of how you have to mix and match. And I get you want to be long and, and, defense and this and that uh and that's great i, I think the good teams out there have found a way to to do both um but look even like even think about penn state right they went out and got andrew funk i mean andrew funk isn't just a lockdown defender but he tries mm-hmm. like he plays hard and i think that can cover up so much so whether or not you think this guy is just a locksmith defensively if he can shoot and he plays his ass off yeah go get him yeah you know, and figure out the rest later. But it, it's all going to start. P one is is point guard. You know, a, a scoring lead guard that has facilitating chops and can get get you into stuff and is great in ball screens. And then the rest of it will will fill in. Um, but that that has to be the focus. Uh, you can't continue to anchor yourself with a lack of shooting. And and part of that is tied into point guard play for years and years and years, like years. Uh, especially in the Archie Miller era, Indiana was like 32% from three and couldn't get above it because their point guard play wasn't good enough to draw enough defenders to get more open looks. Yeah. I mean, the shot selection wasn't great this year, but it was kind of out of necessity that these guys took the shots that they took, uh, the three-pointers, that is, um, because they just they couldn't generate a ton of good ones. And now, all of a sudden, you're Indiana and you're shooting 38% from three. Why is that? Because you got Jalen Shafino. So, and I know he's a prep, I know he's a freshman, but, yeah. you know, going and getting a, a guy that's dynamic like that and can step out and shoot, but could also facilitate, I get it, he's going to go in the lottery, but there's other guys out there that, that don't have that type of NBA future that you can get, and, and those are just the guys you have to go after.
0: Mike, I want to get to some of our YouTube listener comments here in, in a moment, but Terrence Shannon, Coleman Hawkins, I imagine are going to test the NBA draft waters here. Uh, the NBA draft combine is in May. Uh, but if you're Brad Underwood, what are you telling those guys?
1: Well, I think you have to, it seems like his approach over the years has been to just kind of give them their space. Uh, I think nothing that you say uh, without them gathering all the information. I mean, of course they're going to want him back. Right. Of course. Um, you know but you have to let that that process play out and you have to let them get all the information that they get and then it makes it an easier conversation one if they arrive to that conclusion on their own but two if they truly get to the point of hey I'm torn I I don't know then then maybe you you bring in your pitch okay here this here's this this is what we can do this is what we you know the roster is going to look like and um, I think if you're Coleman as you start to see him slide on these mocks to You know, he was early second round or he was late first round earlier in the year early second round mid second round late second round that's when you start to have the thought of hey could I benefit from another year but two could I benefit from coming back and if we address the needs we need to address in the portal I think I can kind of play more of my game Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have to be asked to dribble the ball up the entire game I don't have to be asked to be this complete fulcrum uh, of the offense I can just really play off point guards i can pick and pop i can slip to the rim i think we found something with him late in the year where it's like hey we can probably throw it into him a little bit um you know if he has a mismatch on him like we can we can post smaller guards and um all that should be exciting for him but at the same time if he says he wants to chase his nba dream i mean that's that's kind of hard to refute, but NIL makes it a little bit different. Where if you want to talk about a guaranteed two way contract, you'll make more coming back and playing for Illinois.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. The collective uh, gets involved there. A couple of guys I want to ask you about because they seem pretty locked in. Luke Goody's announced he's come back. Um, Ty Rogers seems pretty locked in here. Mike, we'll find out with guys like Sincere Harris, RJ Melendez in, in the coming weeks here, probably. Uh, but what do you think of, like, you got Danger, Goody, Ty Rogers? Like, that is right now. Your core, along with guys like um, Moretti coming back, Dre Gibbs, all horn, Imani Hansberry coming in. But what do you think of Goody Rogers
1: going into next year? Yeah, I think both are good pieces. I'm not sure either of them are ones that you're like, you know, we got our top guys. Um, The beauty of those guys is they, they can be chameleons. I mean, I think you can put them in, in a lot of different spots. I think if I'm Ty Rogers, I'm glued to the TV, watching Andre Jackson, For UConn, I mean, he's not the best shooter in the world, but he just makes such an impact with his ability to facilitate, um, to push the pace. He guards. Um, Ty's only going to get better at that, and it seems like to this point, I mean, he's he's the guy that hasn't been talked about at all. Like, I know sincere tweeted, deleted. Is Epps going to leave? Danger. There's rumors floating around, and no one really talks about Ty because you just feel like he's locked in, and the hope is that that stays. That way, but I think he can be a he can be a big piece next year in the way of hey, no matter what role he's in, like you need a a glue guy like that. Um, that's a term that's used all the time, but um, he's a guy that can be a, a connector in a way because when you can when you know you have a guy that you can roll out onto the floor and circumstance doesn't matter and score doesn't matter and how many minutes he's played previously doesn't matter and he's just gonna play his ass off every single time more of those guys. Yep. Like you want guys like that. And I think Luke Goody falls under that umbrella as well. So bringing those two guys back, uh, it's good because they can serve as, as some of that adhesive for this team.
0: All right, Mike, I want to get to uh, some of these questions from uh, some of our YouTube listeners here. And
1: here's one I want to hit.
0: out. Caleb asked, why would a transfer pick Illinois other than NIL? We play in the big 10, tough physical league, not a blue blood program. So not going there for prestige. So your sell is money. How would you say what would you answer to that, Mike?
1: Welcome to college basketball. I mean, why why did Matthew Meyer come to Illinois? I know there was some relationship previously with Brad Underwood, but, I mean, NIL is a, NIL's a big reason. And honestly, at this point, who cares what the reason is?
0: And let's not talk like Illinois some also-ran program here. Yeah, I, I know fans are a little bit frustrated after last year, but you made the tournament for a third straight year. would have been a fourth straight year. You've been one of the best teams in the Big Ten the last couple of years. It's a huge brand. And for the guys you're talking about, Mike, what do they want? They want to play at the highest level. Yeah. And despite the Big Ten's NCAA tournament success or lack thereof here, it's still a great league with great spotlight and several lottery picks or several first-round draft picks coming up this year.
1: Yeah, and, and, and the NIL, it's always going to be – Ever present. I mean, there's gonna be plenty of people that transfer this year. You're like, wait, he's going where? You would just you would never guess it. But also, too, let's not let's not overlook the fact that Illinois basketball now has one of the top facilities in the country. And that's a and not only just the court itself and the on-court stuff, but the recovery stuff. It's I mean, it is state-of-the-art type stuff. And if you want to, you know, once again, I I'm glad I I'm glad you brought me here because I can finally fit this in here. You have the best strength coach in the country. Because I, I was I was hesitant to say it at the end of the season because I didn't want to have to do a whole knock-on-wood thing. You just went through another season outside of a couple concussions of no injuries, no major injuries. And that is – you are crazy if you think that hasn't, doesn't have a lot to do with Adam Fletcher. Like, he is I, – I lived it. I, I saw it. He is the best strength coach, not only that I've been around. And I had five of them, and that's not, that's not to – poo poo on the other guys that i had i, I saw it i saw the way it worked and it's incredible and you're crazy if you don't think that's another draw for guys where they can change their bodies or you know they can utilize all this stuff because he is just a master at it so they've built this infrastructure that goes beyond just nil that goes beyond just hey here's the opportunity for you those are all things that i think really tie the knot for these recruits where it's like yeah. cool you have this opportunity for me so does this other school cool you have NIL, but like, so does this other school. Oh, but you also have the facilities. Oh, you also have this, you know, one of the best strength coaches in the country. Like all that stuff matters yeah, big time. And that's why Illinois is putting themselves in position with a lot of these, these top transfers,
0: uh, Coleman Hawkins. And it is from his account just tweeted out that he is uh, going to continue to chase his dream by entering his name into the 2023 NBA draft while maintaining his college eligibility. We would have been shocked if he didn't. Right. So, but he didn't
1: say – I mean, some of those guys are doing the – Enter the transfer portal, yeah. He didn't
0: say that. He did not say that. He said, I'm going to continue to chase that dream by entering my name into the 2023 NBA draft while maintaining my college eligibility. The transfer portal window is open through mid-May, which is right at the end of the NBA draft combine. I think is right at the end of that. So um, well, he's got to go through the process. Terrence Shannon has to go through the process. So uh, not a surprise, right, Mike, that, that he'd be announcing that. I would have been surprised if he didn't.
1: No, I thought you I thought Coleman Hawkins had a question in the chat. Um <laughs> I was like, "Wow, cool. Thank you for tuning in, Who who
0: he getting, guys?
1: Yeah. I was like I, I thought he was going to announce live on the air that he's he's coming back. But yeah, no, that's no surprise. I mean, he was for sure going to test the waters. Um Correct me if I'm wrong. He didn't do that last year, right? No. Yeah. So, I mean, these guys get two two times they can do that. Mhm. And they, you know, you have to make a decision on the third. Um So, th- yeah, this was kind of a rite of passage for it.
0: All right. Somebody's asking in the chat. Uh, Taylor asked about AJ Store, former Illini commit, uh, just uh, decommitted or uh, entered the transfer portal. St. John shot forty percent from three. Big guard. Mike, should I start start throwing names at you and thinking and seeing what you think of them? Can I sure. do that? All right, yeah, AJ Store, go for it.
1: Uh, he fits the tie, the prototype of what you're looking for. I don't. I don't know what the history is in terms of, you know, what
0: he's a chin Coleman guy.
1: Yeah, like I mean, he left. Like, is is he a guy that's potentially destined for a Kentucky, or you know, who, who knows? Who knows what that looks like? I think, yeah. I mean, for for a freshman season, you know, you, you're eight a to game, forty percent from three in the Big Ten or in the Big East. That's that's big time. And, and I think you know, once again, you have to be careful. I mean, this is a guy uh, who went to you know Kankakee and Bishop Gorman and Compass Prep and IMG and. Uh, luckily if he does transfer to whoever he transfers to like I said earlier in the show he's 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 pretty locked in so um yeah I'm sure there's a call that's going to be made no question um it's just trying to assess the other elements of that the fit right culture all that stuff I think that's that becomes equally as important because you want to make sure that you're maintaining that and then you, you don't you know go all in for a guy that that can hurt you in that department
0: all right, let's go with um, Brandon Murray is back in the portal. Another guy who switched a couple yeah. of schools, Mike, but they showed a heavy interest in Brandon Murray. Obviously, Georgetown, we knew where that was going this year, and not
1: so good. Would he be a sit out guy?
0: I would think he'd have the case that his coach got fired, right? But I, I, mean, I can't answer that.
1: Yeah, I mean, he he must, I mean, he must think that he has a case if he's putting his name in the portal. Look, Brandon Murray. I, I was excited about him when he came out. Um, you know, good year at LSU and was playing more of a not a featured role. And I mm-hmm. think he actually was better in that role. I think, you know, this year at Georgetown, granted, not a ton of talent on that team, but Primo Spears is, is a good guard and uh, he just wasn't efficient. Um, and honestly, wasn't incredibly efficient at LSU either. Um, so you, that's one thing you have to be mindful of is when i say high major to high major why are you leaving what are you looking for and can we can we do that because if he wants to in my opinion if brandon murray wants to come and be the guy i'm not sure i'm not i'm not sure how good of a fit that is um but if he wants to come in and be a part of a committee and and be a a slasher and a guy that can occasionally knock down some outside shots i know he struggled and i believe he struggled in big east play shooting the ball um then that's a different type of conversation but um just understanding what these guys want and and trying to figure out whether or not you can provide that Jameson
0: Battle familiar name one year guy
1: yeah I like it I, I like Jameson I think he's a guy that doesn't need the ball in his hands a ton um you know he's a guy that came from the mid-major level once again I mean, he was 17 a game at at George Washington and um had success in Minnesota. They didn't win a ton of games, but he fits that mold where I think he can be a good catch and shoot guy. Uh, his numbers really dropped this year. Uh, I'm not sure what the reason is. I know he's struggling with some, some back issues, uh, I think. So you want to make sure to, to no. suss that out as, as well. I think Terrence was struggling with that too, but once again, Fletch, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, that's, that's another pitch for a guy like Jameson battle. Uh, but he has size, right? Six, seven, I think 220 pounds. um, not a bad defender as well has some size like I mentioned and um, I think you can put him in different spots offensively he's he's good with his left hand getting downhill can score it probably one of the better pull-up games and in, in you know in the conference and um, certainly a guy that you want to go after I'd, I'd sign up for Jamison Battle no question uh,
0: a couple people ask it about the big names Kirk, Creasa, Arizona kind of shocked if he didn't end up at Xavier uh, with his former coach Uh, and Caleb Love who's been attached to Missouri and Memphis I I don't think either of those will happen Um, man if you didn't like Matthew Meyer's shot selection I don't think you're going to like Caleb Love's Kirk Crease I'd love to have a player like that I I just don't think he's coming to Illinois
1: yeah and with Caleb Love yeah once again I mean
0: (laughs) ride that roller coaster for another year I mean
1: you want to talk about shot selection I'm talking 32 foot step back contested threes so that's you know that's something you have to be mindful of again has some size There Was a guy that was on draft boards last year and um but he's a guy that if you have a if you have a caleb love you need an rj davis like yeah. you need a guy that's a little bit more of a yin to his yang calming presence can get you into stuff um if you have that maybe uh but i'm not sure i'd sign up for caleb love is like hey here's our freaking guy yeah. um once again. And Kirk Kreese, I don't know. I've heard some things about him not being the easiest to deal with. Uh, Not to say that this staff hasn't dealt with guys in the past that haven't been easy to deal with. Uh, So you at least know you have that. Um, So it's all just, once again, beyond just the players. Those are all good players. There's no question. I think everybody would sign up for um, just who they are as a player, but uh, beyond that, right? Like, what do they add to the team? Shot selection or, you know, how are they going to be in the locker room? You have to be able to um, I guess ascertain all of that as you as you uh, yeah. you know as you go through the portal. But Brad Underwood mentioned like this is speed dating; it's a couple calls, maybe no visits, and a commitment. So um, there's risk involved with that.
0: Can I hit you with some of these mid-major point guards that I think you would like more? Jameer Nelson Jr., Delaware.
1: I I like him a lot. Obviously, uh, great lineage, uh, but uh, just a strong body, 6'1", 200 pounds. Uh, and, and if you saw the way that. You know, his three-point numbers dropped off this year, but uh, just kind of a product of the talent around him and, at George Washington where uh, or at, at Delaware where, you know, he had a little bit more talent the previous year, uh, resorted to a lot of step backs. And I always say, too, with point guards, a lot of times, it you know, and Epps probably falls into this category, too, when you think about the three-point numbers. Those are guys a lot of times that are stuck with the ball at the end of the shot clock. And, you know, so I always factor in like a percentage and a half Um, deviation where they have to probably chuck some uh, just by way of getting the shot up Uh, so Jameer Nelson man if you watch him explosive like you know a much better athlete than his dad I mean his dad was much more of a you know low center of gravity great shooter great in ball screens Uh, Jameer Nelson Jr. has that but also he's a freak athlete as well and he's strong he's got that that build like his dad has so yeah he's another guy that I think would just be a tremendous pickup and I think he fits that same bill as a lot of these guards that were in the Sweet 16 that came from the mid-major level.
0: Another one. I don't know how much you watch Cal Baptist, but Taran Armstrong is is a sophomore, six foot six out of Australia, um, really long guard, five assists, four and a half rebounds, eleven points this year. Uh, that that's a true point guard.
1: I like Armstrong, but you better have the right personnel yeah. around him because if you don't and you don't have shooting around him, now he's a thirty percent three point shooter himself and we'll see how he translates in terms of being able to score at that same rate at the next level. I know he was five or six assists a game. uh, I think it was great facilitator. Uh, There's no question about it. He honestly reminds me a little bit of like a Paul Mulcahy. um, Michael Carter Williams. Yeah. Yeah, Like, yeah. And and much, much better, uh, much flashier facilitator than a Mulcahy, but you know, good in ball screens and and can make, uh, can make good reads. So certainly a guy that I think you make a call to, uh, but you better have a good idea of what the rest of your personnel looks like because I think you're not going to tap out Armstrong's potential unless you have guys around him that um, that kind of lend themselves to to his type of game.
0: Yeah. Um, let's see. We got any others here? Damian Dunn, Temple. You got anything on him?
1: I mean, <laughs> he's a, he's a guy that heavily sought after, yeah. obviously, and um, a guy that has spent his whole career at temple. You don't see that much. I think he's three years at temple, but um, I just numbers off the top of my head. I don't think he shot it. Well, uh, 35% I
0: mean, from three, 15 points a game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what is he for his career? Uh,
0: I'd have to look that up.
1: I'm, I I'm, think, cause was he 35% this past year? I think so. Yeah.
0: Hold on. Yeah. So,
1: I mean, that's that, if that's the case, that's not bad. Um, certainly, not going to be like a lead guard for you but but one of those guys where you can mix him in and slash
0: 31% for his career
1: yeah so yeah. I mean that's the risky run is bringing in a guy um, I, mean, I think one of those years he was pretty low yeah. um, might have been his freshman year but that's not I guess atypical um, but yeah there's a reason why a lot of high major teams are, are going after him and um, I'm sure the Kentuckys of the world and a lot of those teams are, are going to get involved you just have to uh under like again think about the other guys you're going to have and if you get a ton of shooting and you get a lead guard and now you get Damian Dunn it's kind of icing on the cake where he can slash and and do a a myriad of things and and yeah certainly a guy that you may want to go after yeah uh
0: Cormac Ryan
1: Notre Dame love it I think he fits that bill uh you know beyond just having a guy that has proven that he's a shooter and even remember in in the in the NCAA tournament last year when they played Texas Tech I mean he had six or seven threes just in a myriad of different ways, off of screens, off the catch, off the bounce. Um, and he's a guy that I think uh, fits that bill if you want to look for shooting. But also, I mean, the guy plays his ass off. Mm-hmm. Um, for a guy that isn't a crazy athlete, I mean, to, to play in the ACC and get almost a steal and a half per game, uh, you're, you're, you're making things happen on that end. It reminds me a lot of Cam Spencer from Rutgers, and he was, he was such a good addition for them. And I think Cormac Ryan kind of falls under that same umbrella so uh, who knows east coast kid maybe he decides to go back um to a syracuse or something where yeah. joe Girard has left and um so yeah we'll, we'll see but i think uh he's a guy that absolutely fits that bill and gives you a lot of stability at that at that position
0: is there anyone that's caught your eye that has entered the portal that you thought would make sense
1: uh i mean there's a there's a few different guys i mean i don't know if ray j dennis is 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 gonna enter the portal yeah um, he's a guy that I think has been floated out there a lot. Uh, Mac, I think Mac Player of the Year, yeah. right? Um, came from Boise State, uh, so he'd be a grad, I believe. And I've watched him a decent amount. I I don't love how upright he plays, and that's probably me nitpicking. But when you when you play that upright, you can tend to get bodied a little bit when you come into the Big Ten. So, uh, but he's so crafty the way he scores and um, shot it pretty well this year. Uh, and, and has shot it pretty well for for his career. Sands, I think maybe his freshman year at Boise State, but um, yeah, I mean, I think he's he's one of those guys that you look at, and um, I think kind of fits that bill. And then now you just you're, you're patient, waiting to see after the after the national championship ends, because usually it's hey season ends for a lot of these teams, and you have a week or two off, come back and do meetings and decide what you want to do. So I think this week we're going to see even more names enter the portal and. Um, there's going to be guys that, that make even more sense.
0: Yeah. Illinois has been attached to Khalil Ware, former five-star guy. Like, I, I don't know if they're going to be in that mix, but yeah, sure. You show interest in a guy like that. I know they recruited him a little bit, but yeah. uh, it'll be, I, I think the the front court's going to depend on who returns, whether probably Coleman Hawkins returns or not.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think you want to go get someone that kind of fits that same bill as a Coleman Um you know, Kahlil Ware is not that. Um, he's a seven foot big. Uh, so how does that work with Dane? And uh, I know there were some question marks with, with, with Ware as well, in terms of maybe maturity issues. And uh, I guess that's just things that, that I had seen floating around the internet, you know, who knows what to believe and whether or not it's true, but um, I guess you want to err on the side of being a little bit like an Arkansas where you don't want to be attached to every single guy but you want to make calls, right? You want to gauge interest. You want to be selective, but you also want to put yourself out there and see if there's things that you can uncover that, uh, you know, you say, hey, this makes a lot of sense. And uh, if, if Coleman's going to have, if Coleman's going to leave, you want not only a guy that um, can step out. I know Coleman didn't hit it at a crazy rate, but he showed flashes. A guy that can pick and pop and step out, especially if you're going to go and get the point guard that you were talking about. Um, and then you also want a guy that can make an impact on the defensive end, because that's what Coleman did. I mean, we, we, we highlighted that throughout the season and um, there's no question that if if you lose him, you lose a big part of your defense, and you want to fill that.
0: Well, Mike, is there anything else you want to hit on with Illinois? <laughs> we covered it all, and as at least for this week.
1: <laughs> um, no, man. I think that's I think that's about it. I think it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. It'll be interesting to see if um, we're done with the with the portal. Um, R.J. Melendez is one of those guys where I think a lot of the talk was about Jaden Epps and hey what was going to happen but RG's one of those guys that uh is a curious case because he ended the year on a bit of a high note and
0: I'd love to have him back like yeah I, I, I know people like everyone's social media looking into like seeing guys what are their what are their portal or what are their profile pictures you know what's their profiles do they have Illinois in there anymore like man I I just thought. Did he
1: take it out? Did he take Illinois out?
0: He's he's got a kind of random picture now. He doesn't have Illinois in there. Like, yeah. So I I don't know. Usually that's not a great sign. But like, I just thought R.J. showed a lot of you know what to him late in the year, some shit to him. Like I I just I I thought he showed me something Uh, with the toughness, with his grit, with all that. The shot, you know, got a little bit better towards the end of the year as well. I thought we were starting to see the R.J. Melendez that. Uh, we thought we could get if he had realistic expectations for him. And, and I just thought he's kind of what you want in, in your program. To get that guy for a third year, I do think he could take a major leap. So I, I'd be disappointed if he left, because I do think he could be a really, really good starter next year.
1: Yeah, You could tell when he was confident, it unlocked so much of his ability and his athleticism. And for a guy like that who struggled the way he did and a lot of those offensive struggles can typically, for a young guy, permeate throughout the rest of your game. And Um, He just kind of said effort and Mm -hmm. and poured himself into the defensive end and doing the tough stuff and latching to shooters and chasing guys. And we saw what he did to Fletcher lawyer and um, a lot of these different guys and chase Audige. And um, he deserves a lot of credit for that because we said it on the preseason pod last year, where it was like, he's going to play if he does the tough stuff. I mean, there's, there's guys in this team that have length. There's guys in this team that have size. It's not as big of an asset as it was two years ago where you have, you know, more of a, a shorter lineup. So, how's he going to respond? And he struggled mightily Mm -hmm. and and then really picked it up at the end of the year. And, um, you know, you kind of leave it into his hands and um, understand that you you absolutely want him back. Um, I think if he takes another leap, it's, he's a guy that man can just do so much good for this program. And uh, is a guy that was around when they won a regular season championship. And there's, there's a lot of value in that.
0: Uh, This is uh, from John Rothstein uh talked with coleman hawkins coleman told him i want to be on a roster that has a chance to do something big win a national title i hope if i do come back they'll have a more veteran team and a chance of being a really great team i don't disagree with coleman i don't disagree with coleman a lot of what he it, says. most <laughs> guys
1: wouldn't say that most guys wouldn't say that or be yeah. that outspoken but it's what you come to appreciate with coleman is that he's not bullshitting like no. he's, he's he's telling you like it is and i think it's this is great because he can assess it right I mean the next month while he's doing the NBA stuff kind of keeping an eye to the side and being like hey what am I coming back to yeah. you know instead of just I don't think it would be smart for him to to pledge his allegiance uh, upon the season ending or drop an on back tweet uh, without knowing what you're coming back into because for him especially if he comes back and doesn't get the the feedback that he wants on the NBA side you at least want to come back into a roster where you feel like lends itself to yeah. you being able to play your game. Um, you know, in his game, I think I say that, and people think like, "Oh, like getting your rocks off," um, but it's it's putting him in a position where he can flourish. You know, in the role that he's in, and 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 that's usually typically simplifying it, yeah. and and him becoming an all star, quote unquote, in that particular role. So, um, I like what he said because there's a lot of truth to it, and I know this this staff. It kind of you know, probably lights a fire under them where it's like, man, we know that if we do well in the portal, uh the icing on you know, the, the the bonus is that we probably get Coleman Hawkins back. So it gives you all the motivation to go out and nail it. Yeah. Um all right, Mike,
0: I'm glad I didn't fill out my bracket because this is Are you really? Yes. Are you really <laughs> I probably would I told you I liked Creighton. Uh, I don't know if I would have them in the final four, but um I did like them. So maybe I would have had them in the Elite Eight and gotten that one right. But this is insane. Like this is, I would have had UConn in my final four. I can say that.
1: That's my national champion. So you got that. So I, I, in the, in the two big pools that I'm in, I, I mean, I got ransacked through I mean, for the first and second rounds, like most people did, but UConn was the one that, you know, when I, before the tournament, um, I don't want to like give away any secrets, but I mean, you and I might've talked about it. I, I look at former champions what they all have in common and typically it's a top 10 uh adjusted offense efficiency and a top 20 defense defensive efficiency and uh as i looked through and listed all the teams that fit that bill this year for who my champion would be there was one team before the tournament Hmm. uconn was sixth in offense and 19th in defense they're i think their first or third in offense and 11th now the caveat was houston because they were 11th in offense just just outside and and i think third in defense uh, so I didn't go with them. I went with UConn, and uh, if they win this next game because of the point system uh, and the points that you can get for winning a Final Four game, uh, I win my pools. There so you go. I'm I'm hoping that I'm hoping that that happens. And the more that I watch UConn, the more it's like, man, talk about roster construction. You know, talk about really good guards. And uh, you know, check. You got Tristan Newton from East, East Carolina. He's been great for them. Andre Jackson's kind of the fulcrum of that offense. Jordan Hawkins is the best shooter in college basketball. Uh, Sonoga is a, a, a mobile big that's been first team all all big east and um, and then also you go out and you get Klingen right and you get um, Caravan or this, these other guys that have been freshmen that have just kind of filled those little parts and you don't have to depend on them heavily you leave that to the older guys and um, Hurley's done a great job and that staff's done a good job of, of putting that thing together and they're certainly reaping the rewards there.
0: Michael, Tulip, you're the goods, man. Uh, appreciate the inside as always. We might have to catch up in a, in a week or two when we know a little yeah. bit more about what's going on. We'll have on. more to talk
1: about, man. Just let I me mean, let. I mean, pr- probably two hours from now, we'll be we'll be texting like, man. Look what happened. Appreciate
0: it. Well, everybody that joined us on YouTube, the hundreds that did, we appreciate you. Give us a like on the YouTube channel if you're following us uh, on the podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you do that. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Online Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.